Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Okay, let's get into the words. I'm going to wrap up um, what we've been talking about. We have been talking about being distinct distinguished, set apart. Amen. The church is called to be set apart, not to blend in. Your only alternative to standing out is blending in. You can stand out or you can blend in. You can't have both, one or the other. Amen. And we need a church today that's going to be set apart. We need a church today that's going to be distinguishable, identifiable, separated from uh, not just the world we've been talking about. We need to be separate from religion. Religion um, will will steal away and compromise the mission of the kingdom of God just as much as the world is. I heard someone say, uh, you know, that there are certain messages and religious messages would be one of those. They do just as much damage to the kingdom of God as the devil ever could. Amen. And this is by people that would call themselves believers and call themselves part of his kingdom and part of his mission. So we need to learn how to be separated and set apart to accomplish the work of the kingdom of God. Amen. And I was wrestling this week. I had a couple different directions. I told my wife, I, you know, I even asked her, I said, which one should I go with? You know, I just got to go with what the Holy Spirit leads us. And so I was going to go, uh, I was wrestling between two different areas. Are we distinct in identity? Because everyone wants to identify as something today, right? And I could easily go there and, and um, you know, Honestly, that could be a whole, maybe that'd be my next series. Maybe we'll minister on identity in the month of August. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe I'm getting that right now by the Spirit, because I really could. Um, your identity is everything, and you can't just know your identity. You got to carry your identity. You got to carry it. You know, we just flew this past week, Oklahoma, out there for Rama's camp meeting, and um, it doesn't do me any good to get up to the TSA counter and say, I'm Mark Brady. Trust me. Okay, that's great. Can I see some ID? Hey, just take my word for it. It's not going to work. I got to carry it. And as believers, we've got to carry our identity. But I'm not ministering that today. So I've just wet your whistle for the next series. You're like, great. I got to come back four more weeks. Okay. Just come back for all of them, amen? You don't know what the Spirit's going to do. Today, we're going to talk about being distinct in crisis. Distinct in crisis. I want us, after this service, um, and it's kind of the DNA of, and makeup of our church. If you've come for any length of time now, you probably have already started to capture this, that we embrace crisis around here. We embrace the breakdown. We embrace uh, where... Uh, the enemy is trying, I said trying, to make his way and his entrance uh, into the world and trying to run this thing wild uh, because it is the very thing you and I were created for. You and I were created for the crises of the world. Um, and crisis has a funny way of distinguishing things. And I like to put it this way. Um, when you get squeezed, what comes out. Amen. When you get squeezed, what comes out? First thing we got to understand is God did not promise us a crisis-free life. Let's just go ahead and establish that. I, I know I'm stepping on all kinds of blessed messages and the blessed life 
and name it, claim it, and receive it, and blab it, and grab it. Um, And I believe all those things. I believe in the power of our words. I believe in the power of confession. But you can't confess something that doesn't align with what God has already said. I don't get to speak words that go against the word and create something. I get to speak words that come into agreement and alignment with the word. And so even though um, we can live a life that is blessed, even though we have been promised a kingdom life that is above this world, not subject to this world, you're not going to live in this life crisis free. So there's two options. I can either discover how to get through a crisis or I'm going to have to find a way to get out of crisis. And I think we have created a church uh, dangerously that has used all of its efforts and strengths and forces to avoid crisis rather than be a light in crisis. And when we learn to redirect this and stop trying to avoid challenges in life, stop trying to um, avoid the things and the issues and the trials that may come, and when we learn to properly appropriate ourselves in crisis, then we will accurately um, appropriate the mission of the kingdom of God. You know, he told us that we would bind on earth what's already been bound in heaven. We would loose on earth what has already been loosed. I mean, those tell me that there are some things that need to be bound up. That tells me there's some things that need to be unloosed and released in the earth. Amen. Uh, let's look at some scriptures that we love to quote. Let me start uh, here. Matthew chapter 24, verses 13. Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. It's a powerful verse, isn't it? He who endures. What you Endurance. That's a fun word. Perseverance. <clears throat> Amen. Enduring to the end, not coasting to the end. Come on. Not sitting back relaxing until the end. I mean, we got so many, so many believers to use an airport analogy again that are just sitting in the terminal with their bags packed, waiting for Jesus to come back through the clouds. Waiting for the, the by and by, the sweet by and by. Oh, glory land. Right? I mean, we sing songs about it. Take me home. Come on. When I, when I get to glory, when I, when I walk those streets, man, I, I can't wait for that day. Um, but you know what? I've got purpose here on earth. I've got an assignment here on earth. And I get it. You know, the world, people taking crazy pills daily, a daily regimen, uh, three times a day, morning, afternoon, and night taking crazy pills. They take them when they wake up. They take them before they go to bed. Come on now. Craziness, running rampant. I get it. In heaven, you don't have that craziness, right? But at the end of the day, he says, he that endures, that means outlasts. Come on, you you think of endurance, you think of having to press through something. Just the very fact that he says, he that endures to the end, lets us know there's going to be some pressure 
right? There's going to be some pressing against. There's going to be some things that are going to show up that are going to try to stop us. And we're going to have to push through some things. He who endures, just the very fact that he uh, announces that there is endurance needed or endurance involved tells me that there is going to be something coming against us. Amen. Romans chapter 8 verse 37. Romans 8 verse 37. He says, reading out of the New Living, no, despite all these things, what are all these things? Trials and tribulations and challenge and crisis and, uh, you know, uh, we're going to have to endure through all these things. He says, despite all these things. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to come down and take away all these things so you don't have to deal with them. So you have a a clutter-free, a crisis-free pathway uh, to embark on to bring my kingdom. He says, no, you're going to bring the kingdom in spite of everything around you. In spite of everything. I don't, he's, he's basically saying, he's acknowledging you're going to have conflict. You're going to have conflict. No, despite all these things, he says, overwhelming victory. Everyone say, overwhelming victory. Come on, I'm talking to a victorious church. I'm not talking to a beat up church. I'm not talking to a hope, hope so, one day, wishing, if it be your will, church. I'm talking to an overwhelming victory church. You know what an overwhelming victory is? It means we're beating you and we're going to continue to beat you down until the clock runs out. You ever seen coaches that do that? And man, they get, you know, they, they, they get crucified. And why are they running up those? Because we're beating you. The, that is the point of the game is to continue to score. There is time on the clock. We are not done yet. Up by 70, keep scoring. Keep going. Leave the A team in there. Run up the score. I don't care about the devil's feelings in the last days. He's going to get beat down so hard, and he's going to know he's getting beat down so hard, and I'm going to continue beating him down so hard. I don't care what he brings against me. I don't care what he tries to cause to rise up. Amen. I'm talking overwhelming victory made spoils of. I'm going to make you look stupid. I'm going to make you doubt and question why you challenged me in the first place. Why you tried to bring sickness in my body in the first place. Why you tried to attack my family in the first place. Why you tried to bring this pandemic in. I'm going to make you pay for every time you stood in my face denying the word of God before me. That's the way Jesus treated the devil. He didn't go easy on him. It wasn't a a, a one-run victory. Overwhelming. Slamming in your face and making you look like a fool before everybody. That's the way Jesus treated the devil. The church is not supposed to be going easy on the devil. We're not supposed to be trying to play. You play in his court, you're going to lose. You make him play on your terms. You make him come to this side. Amen. Overwhelming victory, the scripture says, is ours through Christ who loved us. Is ours. It's yours. Now, everybody wants victory, but nobody wants a challenge, right? Everybody wants victory, but we don't want the 
the conflict. Everybody wants victory, but we don't want the battle. You can't have victory without a battle. You can't have resurrection without a crucifixion. Hello? Without death. You can't raise something back to life if it wasn't once dead. Amen. So this is the part where it gets quiet because we recognize that victory implies challenge. Victory implies conflict. Victory implies a battle. Victory implies that there is something coming against me. That's the second verse confirming this. Now, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And this is just a few verses. I could stay in here all day and give you verses and talk about your victory and, and, and your overwhelming uh, victory in the earth. But 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, reading out of the Amplified, for whatever is born of God. Do I got any born of God people in the house today? I've been born of God. I've been remade. I've been re renewed in the nature of the kingdom of God. Amen. And it, when you were born of God, you were given a victorious nature. I said, when you were born of God, you were given a victorious nature. Not a loser's nature, not a weak nature, not an underneath nature. Uh, you are above and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. Whoever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. Even our faith. This is the victory that we have. The victory over what? Over the world. Over the, the, the nature that goes against God and his kingdom and his ways. Amen? And so we've got to recognize that, first off, we're not going, I'm not here to preach you a crisis-free, uh, crisis management sermon today. I'm here to preach to you and to teach you how to live overcoming, live conquering, live victorious in spite of crisis, in the face of crisis. So don't send me emails this week, Pastor Mark, you promised me victory, and I just got a news report of sickness in my body, or my business, my business is going under, or I just had this happen. I'm not going to respond. I'm going to show you what the Word of God says about making it through crisis, not avoiding crisis. I mean, if you want to avoid crisis, I, I, I can tell you how. It's real easy. Die. That's, that's your answer. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, man. Just go ahead and dismiss yourself. But you're going to stand before Jesus and you're going to say, well, I put this in you. I did this for you. I accomplished this for you. I can do this through you. I was actually sending you to be the answer to the crisis down there, not trying to get out of it. Amen. Come on, we got to rise up. We can't get beat down. We can't get run down. We can't get shoved in the ground. We can't let the devil boss us around anymore. I don't care if there's a pandemic. I don't care what the economy looks like. I don't care what's happening in the world. I don't care how rampant sins are. I don't care what they create, what they make uh, uh, up to, to a new way to sin, a new way to live depraved. I don't care. We've got the answer. We're more than conquerors. We're overcomers. Overwhelming victory. I'm going to convince you of that by the end of this message, whether you want to or not. Some of y'all looking at me like, you don't know my story. I know the story. I know his story. I know that the book has already been written. The end it was written before the beginning even started. 
You are victorious. We got to understand there's two types of challenges that come in the world. Once you come into the kingdom, it's two types of challenges that we'll face. Before you come into the kingdom, there's one type of challenge. It's the challenge that comes as a result of living in a broken system in a world that's been handed over unto subjection to the devil himself. That's the first type of challenge. It's the challenge that comes because the devil's in control. The devil is the ruler and the God of this world. Jesus said it himself. And before you come into the kingdom, you have no hope. You have no answer against that kind of challenge. Okay? But once you come into the kingdom, you've been promised victory, as I just read, over anything the devil can try to bring against you. Period. Victory's through the cross. And Jesus doesn't have to go back and die on the cross again. He doesn't have to shed another drop of blood. They don't have to put another crown of thorns. They don't have to open up his back. They don't have to drive nails in his hands. It's done once and for all. It's been completed. It is finished. Victory forevermore. The greatest victory, the most overwhelming victory we'll ever experience. But outside of the kingdom of God, we are subject to those things. Things that like what we saw a couple of years ago. The world is subject to fear. It wasn't COVID that was running people off. It was fear that was running people off. And there are still people, uh, 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 you know, they talk about people that have, you know, long COVID or whatever, still enduring side effects of COVID. There are people still today dealing with side effects of fear. Fear did far more in this country and in this world than COVID ever could hope to do. Period. The fear that showed up. And people in the world are subject to that. They don't have an answer. You can't wear enough masks. You can't wash your hands enough. You can't, you can't reduce travel. You, you can't take enough vaccines and boosters or whatever. There's no hope for people that are subject to the challenges and the crises of the world. But thank God, by God, being born of God promises me overwhelming victory. So that's the first challenge. The first challenge is, when, is the fact that this world is subject to a different ruler, a different God. But you and I have the answer to that kind of challenge. The question is, how prepared are we? In Matthew chapter 25, you can turn there, Matthew chapter 25, we see a parable that Jesus tells of five wise virgins and five foolish virgins. Ten virgins, five were wise, five were foolish. And in Matthew uh, chapter 25 and verse 1, it says this, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed... They all became drowsy and fell asleep. And I'm going to tell you right now, that was the state of the church in 2020. Spiritually speaking, drowsy and asleep. It says all 10 of them became drowsy and asleep. All of them. And that was the state of the church. But the question is, is what was the preparation prior to that? Now, of course, we're talking here about the actual 
coming and return of Jesus, the rapturing up of the church. But the principle still lies, how prepared are you? Because just as Jesus comes, the Bible says he's going to come like a thief in the night, meaning you're not going to know when. You're not going to know. You're not going to have a warning. You're not going to be able to set it in your calendar as an event. You're not going to get an alarm that goes off. You get snoozed through, you know, for 10 to 15 more minutes before you're really ready. No, when he comes, he comes. But let me tell you something. When crisis comes, crisis comes. And crisis doesn't check your schedule. Come on. Crisis doesn't check your schedule. Doesn't ask if you're ready. Crisis shows up. And I believe that in the last days, there will be a church in the earth, his people, his body, that will not be be disturbed by crisis. I'll say that again. I believe there will be a church in the earth in the last days that will not be disturbed by crisis. When you get the phone call, when you get the email, when you get the message, when they come and say this, when they show you that, regardless of if it's personal in your own life or it's something that's going on in the entire world, I believe that we can have a church so ready that it will not disturb us. It will not get us off course. We'll, we'll, see, here's the thing. In the middle of the storm, that's not a good time to be building the boat. That's not when you want to be learning. Thank God for grace. Thank God for uh, an extended time. And I believe that God's grace is, is running right now in the earth to those that were not ready for what happened, that were not ready for what came. But I can tell you what, I'd rather just be ready. And I'm not talking ready in natural measures. I'm talking about being ready in spiritual measures. And we can know. We can know. And we can be ready when it comes. You don't have to turn there, but you can just jot it down, read it on your own leisure. In Acts chapter 27, there's a story of Paul as a prisoner on a boat. He's being transferred from one city to another. And he gets by the Spirit. An angel visits him. And lets him know by the Spirit. I believe the church can be in in a state where we can know what's coming. And we can know that there's something on the rise. Maybe not know exactly, but know enough to begin to prepare. The the Lord did that for our church. If y'all remember, in 2020, those of you that were here, we've had a lot of people come since then. In January of 2020, Pastor Daryl Huffman was here. And he ministered on the fresh anointing. He ministered on the need not only to be filled initially with the Spirit, but to continue to be filled with the Spirit. And I got up. He ministered a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and a Monday night. And I got up in that Monday night service and said that I felt the Lord leading us to do what we call refresh nights once a month, the first Wednesday of every night, a refresh night. This is in January. I didn't know nothing about COVID. I didn't know nothing about nothing coming. But we got a word. At a moment when we needed to be prepared, where we needed to be filled up, where we needed to be on guard. You know, the Bible tells us not to be 
uh, to be of sober mind, not to be drowsy, not to be, uh, uh, you know, we're supposed to be alert. We're supposed to be aware. Be of sober mind. Well, being refreshed by the Holy Spirit helps us. And so those Wednesday nights, the first Wednesday night of every month, well, I mean, we didn't get but three months in. In fact, the first Wednesday in April, I technically wasn't supposed to hold service. They told us that we could have 10 people. So guess what I did? I called nine. I called nine people. I said, meet me at church on Wednesday night. Did that for every Wednesday when we weren't supposed to be meeting, right? And several of you came and responded. I didn't call the same nine every time. I said, well, I'm getting as much of the body. You know, I almost was like, let's do it you know, over five hours and every hour change out the nine people because I'm going to be here. I'm going to make sure I'm here for all of them. And some of y'all, I had to run off. Some of y'all were like, are we doing it next week? I said, we are. You're not. I'm calling nine other people. <laughs> Amen. We kept praying. There's a lot to pray about. There's a lot to get refreshed by. There's a lot that we needed to be filled up for. Well, that was preparation by the Spirit of God. That was the Holy Spirit letting us know, I need you armed. I need you ready. There's something on the rise. And man, I, I wholeheartedly believe because of that message on that Monday night, because of what Pastor Daryl brought, and because of we responded favorably to the word, that we took those first Wednesdays to be refreshed, that we, we weathered and, and we managed the crisis to come as well as we did. And, and we ended up better by the end of the year than we were going in. We did. That's not a testament to me. I, people ask me all the time. Pastors ask me, how did you do it? What did you do? I, we listened to the Holy Spirit. When he told us to close, we closed. When he told us to open, we opened. When he told us to do this, we did it. When he told us to do that, we did that. Period. We followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's called being prepared. The drowsiness for us simply was just not knowing exactly. It wasn't that we were asleep and, and, and you know, laying back and like, ah, you know, just whatever comes. It was just, I don't know what's on, what we're on the precipice of, but there's something coming. We just need to be armed. What do we do? We put oil in our lamps. We put oil in our lamps. At midnight, verse 6, they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. Oh, man. That's a, that's a scary place to be. When you need oil and there is none. And you're at the mercy of those that have it. I don't ever want to be there. I've been there. I've been in dry places. I've been, I, I've, I've, there's something coming and, and there's nothing, I ain't got nothing in here. And now you're scrounging around to get the oil. I mean, you know, where I normally would have spent an hour praying in the spirit, I'm spending two, three hours. I'm, I'm, man, got to get this thing worked back up. You don't want to be found building the boat in the storm. I'm telling you now, you want to be prepared. Because what you put in 
is what comes out. Crisis has a funny way of identity. Any everybody looks strong when there's no conflict. Everybody looks like they've got it all together when there's no pressure. You don't even know what you have until conflict shows up. You ever heard of quality control? Just about every vehicle, not just about every vehicle that is on the road today had to go through some some type of inspection, something to prove that it has what is necessary, not just to drive on a road, but to be able to slam into other cars and keep you safe. Be able to stop on a dime when someone in front of them. I mean, they, you you've got to make sure you, you don't want you don't want to be the the quality control dummy. Anybody remember those commercials in the eighties and the nineties? The dummy tests. You don't want to be that person. Now you want to know beforehand. I'm in a vehicle that's going to ride. It's going to endure. It's going to persevere no matter what comes. No matter what arises. We cannot be a church found empty on oil. We cannot be a church in the last days and, and, and ride and endure and persevere through crisis that comes. I mean, I've had all kinds of people, you know, ask me, you know, end time questions. Is this the mark of the beast? And is this what they're trying to do, the, the, the one world order? And the, you know what? That, that, that's not the stuff we should be asking. That's not the stuff we should be trying to unveil. That stuff's going to happen. Whether you understand it or not, it's going to happen. Right, let me tell you what you need to be doing. You need to be filling yourself up with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filling yourself up with the power of God. Is it? I don't know, but I can tell you this. It was a great dress rehearsal for end times. To see how much people could be shoved. To see how much people could be pressed to do something. To see you know, how hard they could bring something, a, a mandate or, or, or even a law itself that goes against the word of God. Yeah, they're, they're, it, it, it was a great test run. Is that to say not everybody passed the test? I want to pass the test. I want to be filled up. And I don't want to be found having to run to other people with oil. I mean, I was honest with, 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 with pastors as much as I could. Sometimes the Lord would stop me and say, they can't handle it. You can tell them that and it, it, won't, it won't do anything. But some I was able to be straight up with. I just let them know, man, we just followed the Holy Spirit. Whether you understand what that means or not. Oh, that's too churchy. That's, that's, that's a religious way to put it, Pastor Mark. Why don't you give them some practice? No, we followed the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because my practical measures that the Holy Spirit told me to do might not have been the practical measures the Holy Spirit would tell you to do. So for me to give you a template and a formula of we closed here and then we did this and we sent this email, we communicated this and then we had this done to the building and then we set these things up and then we reopened here and we did it instead. that, That might be a misdirection for you because you might be listening to my natural implementation rather than the spiritual implement at the end of the day i followed the holy spirit period and you know what when i follow the holy spirit ah it's getting ahead i don't i can't go there yet i'll go there in a minute it's getting ahead of myself said please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. Verse 9, the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. 
Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. Well, I thought the Holy Spirit was unlimited. I thought, you know, anybody could get his well. Are you telling me there's a limit? No, I'm telling you there's a limit on faith. That there are times where my faith will work for you. There's times where you will have to have your own faith to make it through this test. See, what's not tested cannot be trusted. If it's not tested, it can't be trusted. There's times where I can come alongside you, I can agree with you. Man, two or three touching and agreeing and anything on the earth that shall be done. I believe that, absolutely. But there's going to be times, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be crisis comes that you're going to need your faith to get you through your battle. Your mountain needs to hear your voice. Your giant needs to hear your voice. And man, I thank God for the times I've been able to ride the coattails of faith of another, ride the coattails of believing for uh, another, ride the coattails of a spirit of a move of God uh, on someone else's oil. But there is still a responsibility on me, myself, that I've got to be getting the oil in my life. I've got to be building my faith in my heart, in my mind. I've got to be renewing my mind. And you know what? No one else can do that for you. And it is no one else's responsibility to do that for you. Your mind is your responsibility. Your faith is your responsibility. Your oil is your responsibility. Your uh, your lampstand is your responsibility. The preparation's on us. Are we prepared? Are you prepared? To ride what may come. Not to avoid it. You know, I mean, there's some people that, that, that have believed or been in circles that if crisis comes, then you're, you're, you're not in faith or you're doing something wrong. You know what? It's coming whether you're in faith or not. Faith doesn't determine if the crisis comes. It determines the outcome, not the income. It determines your response. And you cannot draw on what has not been deposited. You cannot pull on what has not been put in. There you go. You cannot pull on what has not been put in. It won't work. You're going to find yourself running to others with oil. You're going to find yourselves running to others that preach uh, on healing, even though you've denied it and believe that, that God doesn't heal or you're not sure about this whole divine healing thing. You better get sure about it because you don't want to wait until a report comes to all of a sudden try to gird yourself up. You can, you can get in a place where you can arm yourself with what you already know. I told that to someone just this past week. Just got a, a report uh, in their body, an issue, a challenge in their body. And I told them to their face, I said, you have been prepared for this. You're ready. I know it might not have been on the schedule. I know it might be a surprise. I know it may show up as a disturbance, but you're ready. Now arm yourself with everything you've been preparing for all these years. You've been under the word for 25 plus years. You know what the scriptures say. You know where the healing scriptures are. You know who to go listen to. You know what to turn off and you know what to turn on. Now start drawing on that. Gird yourself up. Arm yourself. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Arm yourself for battle. Dress it up. Get ready. Got to make sure that we are ready, prepared. John chapter 16, verse 
31. Y'all know these passages? Jesus asked, do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you all this, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. I love that Jesus says, I have overcome. What's that a sign of? Preparation. Preparation. You can prepare for the unknown. You can prepare for what may come. You can prepare. You want to put the word in now. You want to get refreshed and filled with the oil now. You want to get prepared and equipped now. Don't wait for the trial to come. Oh, man, the devil, he's such a deceiver. He'll get us back on our heels. He'll catch us sitting down. He'll catch us falling asleep. He'll catch us when we're not so engaged in Scripture. He'll catch us in the times where everything's going so good, and then we get blindsided, get hit from right around the corner, and all of a sudden it derails us, and we're having to do so much work just to get to a place where we can even posture up and stand against him. What if we stayed armed? I have overcome the world. Not, not, not one day, not when you need it, you can pull on it. No, I have overcome the world. He says, you can have peace in me. You can have peace in me. Maybe not peace in the trial, but peace in me in the trial. Hello. Have peace in me. In the Amplified, verse 33 reads this way. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Anybody have some frustrations recently? Anybody have some distress recently? Some trials, some tribulations, some conflicts, some challenges? But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. You know how much you can blow away the devil when he strikes you with a challenge and you immediately respond with the word. You immediately respond undaunted, confident. You know how much that scares him? He's hoping you don't know what he already knows. And if you could capture what I just said, you would never respond out of defeat ever again. I said, he's hoping you don't know what he knows. He already knows you have the victory. He already knows you can't be defeated. He already knows you have overwhelming. He knows the score. He's hoping you don't. Some of y'all, this might be the first time you've heard a message like this. And, 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 and I know I, I'm going against the flow. I understand that. I'm not going to sympathize with the flesh and sympathize with what's going on in the world and sympathize with all the... You've got enough of those. They're, they're, They're a dime a dozen out there. I'm here to tell you today that if you know who you are in Christ, you know what you have, you know what belongs to you, the devil cannot stop you. 
He knows how much power you have. He knows how much, he knows one word from God can change a situation. He knows that if you respond with what the word says, doesn't mean he won't try. And he's hoping, he's hoping that you won't engage and discover what he knows the word already says about you and what the word already says about him. Yeah. Yep. You'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Back to the Amplified, he says, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you. Either that's what the scripture says or it's not. Either that's true or it's not. Either we believe that. Say, I, I'm, I'm a, if he said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's, that's, that's my motto in life when it comes to, if he said it, I believe it, that settles it. Period. There's no what if. There's no what if scenarios with God. There's no exceptions. There's no fine print at the bottom. There's no fine print down here. It is what it is. I have deprived it of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. I have conquered it for you. Golly. I hope it's quiet because it's sinking in. I hope it's quiet because you're thinking on it. I hope it's quiet because you're, you're processing this. There's no attack the enemy can bring that should stop or slow the church. You exist for this type of crisis. I told you that I feel like a thousand times in 2020. This is why we exist. These are the very pressures and challenges of life. Why do you think they want to close the door? Why do you think they want to silence the voice? Why do you think we not only got attacked by people in the world, but by the religious community? Why do you think that this is apparently the only death trap in the, in the world where you can get COVID? You can go anywhere else, but you can't go to church on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half, two hours. Come on, we're not, we're, we're, we're way better than this, guys. He's a deceiver. Why do you think the enemy works so hard to keep you from this place? Why do you think we don't see the same people every single Sunday in this house that every pastor on the planet wishes they could see all their people at the same exact time in one service? It's never happened. I don't know that it's ever happened. You know, why is it that we can go to work on Monday, even though we don't feel like it, but we can't do the same thing with church on Sunday because we don't feel like it? Because our feelings talk to us, man. If you're tired, I mean, you're, no one's paying you to be here. That's why Jesus said, you can't have, you can't serve two gods. And when money is the God, it'll get you out of bed. You'll turn off the alarm clock. You'll get dressed. 
You'll show up. You'll go somewhere on Monday that you wouldn't go the day before with the same exact feeling. Why do you think the enemy is working so hard? Amen. But victory is ours. Crisis can't stop us. And he knows that. So he brings a crisis, and he's hoping the church will not respond favorably. He's hoping that he'll catch us back on our heels. He's hoping that we'll be drowsy and asleep. He's hoping there's no oil in the lamp. The second kind of challenge that comes. First time, first kind is just simply because we're in a fallen world. Challenge and crisis comes, but that challenge cannot stop you. That challenge cannot overthrow you. But there is another challenge that comes. Come into the kingdom of God, and you will be challenged. You will receive conflict for the sake of the word, the Bible says. For the sake of the word. In Matthew chapter 13, it tells us, Matthew chapter 13, verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. Now, if I remember back in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, he who endures for a while shall be saved. Is that what it said? Did I just fall, catch you falling asleep? It doesn't say he who endures for a while. It says he who endures when? Till the clock runs out. How long am I supposed to endure, Pastor Mark, until you get it? Hello? I get asked that. How long am I supposed to stand for my healing? Are you healed? No. We're standing. <laughs> what do you want? You want the victory. You want the answer. How long do I believe for this financial breakthrough to come? It looks like the opposite's happening. Sure. This, you just don't have revelation of what's going on in the spirit yet. Everybody wants the instantaneous microwave miracles. We need some people that are going to stand. We need some Abraham stand for 25 years, believing a crazy uh, promise that you're going to be a father of many nations. I want to remind you, this is not a, a Bible full of stories. This is not a book full of, that's a historical fact. That literally happened on this planet, the same planet you're walking on. Somebody at 75 was promised to be father of a child and waited 25 years for that promise to come to pass and gave birth to a child at 100 years, his wife being 90. In the deadness of, of Sarah's womb, he did not consider the natural, but only considered the promise without wavering, without doubt, for 25 years. Some of us can't believe for 25 minutes on a miracle. Come on now. We're talking about all the instantaneous stuff. You start at the beginning of the book. It took 25 years for that miracle to come to pass. No, it says endure to the end. But he who endures for a while when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So guess what? You know, what's, my, my, what's your option today? Choose your crisis. 
You choose your crisis. Because it's coming either way. Crisis comes to those that disobey. Crisis comes to those that obey. It just comes from different positions. It comes with different motives. The second you step out to honor God and to obey God, watch the devil get in an uproar. Watch him try to disturb you and disrupt you. Watch him try to get you off of your faith. Watch him try to challenge you. I mean, Jesus wasn't challenged for 30 years. He comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. This is my beloved son in whom I will please. And he gets sent out into the wilderness to be what? Tempted by the devil. If Jesus had to endure temptation, you better believe we're going to. If Jesus was challenged and confronted by the devil, you better believe you and I are going to be challenged and confronted by the devil. But he came out victorious every time on account of the word. But he answered the call of ministry. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's answering the call to go out and minister. And who's the first person he gets confronted with? The devil. It's actually funny if you read it. It actually says the spirit sent him to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Maybe some of the conflict that we are engaging in is something that the Holy Spirit is sending us into to be a disruption to him, not the devil being a disruption to you. Because God gets pleasure out of his children continuing to whip and beat and defeat the devil once and for all. And he's sending him straight into that conflict with the devil just to prove I'm the victorious one. Just in case you forgot, I'm the one that is victorious. I'm the winner. I'm the overcomer. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. And he's sending us, the church, into territory to take back territory for the kingdom of God. And guess what that means? There's going to be conflict. uh, conflict. There's going to be a challenge. There's going to be a disruption. There's the disruptions that he brings against us, but guess what? There's disruptions we bring against him. It says, on account of the word. The Amplified reads it this way. I'll save that. I'll come back to that later in a minute. Acts chapter 4. Are we using all of our effort to avoid crisis? You won't have any effort left in the crisis. Acts chapter 4, I just want to catch you up. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John on the way to the temple to pray. Raise up a a lame man that had been lame all his life. Heal him at the gate called Beautiful. Obviously, uh, you know, the town is uh, excited. They're celebrating. Many come into the kingdom, but there are some that are not so excited. There are some that are not so uh, uh, ready to receive this type of miracle. In fact, it identifies them as having been with Jesus. We'll see that in a moment. They look like the very man that they just got done murdering. They thought they got rid of this type of activity, and they found out now it's only increased. We got other people doing the same stuff that he did. In verse 13 of Acts chapter 4, it says this, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. 
Now, for the last two years, we've heard from educated men. We've heard from medical uh, scientists, and, and, and we've heard from economists, and we've heard from lawyers, and we've heard from presidents, and we've heard from, from senators and legislative, and, and we've heard from the, the greatest, finest leaders of the world that we needed. But I am telling you today, the world in times of crisis needs to hear from people who have been with Jesus. And they're not certified on their education. And they're not certified on their background. And they might not have all the expertise. And they might not have all the knowledge and intellect that is needed. But they've got a time and a moment with Jesus. Now, the thing that was disappointing is the world was not coming looking for us, asking us how to get through this crisis. They were telling us what to do. But I got no phone calls. From SGMC. Oh, they'll ask for your prayers and they'll ask for Chick fil A sandwiches for the nurses. And we did those things and it was amazing to serve them. But I've got something better than that. I said, I've got something better than that. I've got something greater than that. I've been with Jesus. I. I've been with Jesus. But you're not asking me because I'm not educated. You're not asking me because I don't have a medical background. You're not asking me. But I can tell you. I just believe the day's coming. The world's going to be forced to turn to the church and say, we know nowhere else to go to be an answer to this. We need solutions. What should we do? They weren't educated. They're just ordinary people. No special training. You know, David, he's a shepherd boy. He had no business taunting and fighting a giant. No, medi- no, no military experience. No training. No background. Couldn't even wear the armor Saul tried to put on him. Gets challenged by his own brother. But see, people with anointing will always trump people with training. People with an anointing will always trump people with training. I'm not saying we shouldn't train. I'm not saying we shouldn't get educated. I'm not saying we should spend all of our time in prayer closets and never grow to learn and never grow to understand and never grow uh, in our... Absolutely, we, we need to further ourselves as much as possible. But there's going to be times in your life where you're not going to be able to sit back. And there's not going to be a a degree on the wall that's going to help you get through something. It's going to be the Spirit of God that's going to help you get through something. I've been with Jesus. It's a boldness. It's a tenacity. It's a spine that all of a sudden straightens up and says, I have the answer to this solution. And whether you want it or not, I'm going to give it to you. But people with training will always find themselves at the mercy of of people with an anointing. They will. Paul got by the Spirit. There's a storm coming. There in Acts chapter 27. And even though they didn't listen to him in the beginning, boy, it got bad enough. Where's that crazy prisoner guy that we're taking here? He was saying something about this. Where's he at? And you know what Paul did? I told you so. 
He said it. Go look it up. Man, should have listened to me. But let me tell you something, guys. If we don't speak up when they don't want to hear from us, we don't get to say, should have listened to me. If he wouldn't have spoken up in the beginning, even though they denied him, they'd have never come to, it would have never earned him any credibility. He would have never had, so we're going to have to learn to speak up even when it looks crazy. Don't save it for when all the world's going haywire and they have to come to you. We're going to find ourselves in some, in some scenarios with solutions where they don't want to hear from us at all. In fact, they want to boss us around and tell us what to do. Fine. But when you need me, I'll be right here, 416 Dale Drive, Anchor Faith Church. Got a brand new sign on the side of the building. Can't miss it. Sure will. And I have no problem saying, told you guys. But now here's what the Spirit of God wants to say. Not one person will die off of this, this trip, this crisis. Y'all doing all right? No special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. There was nothing the council could say. Skip on down to verse 23 after these religious leaders have threatened them with their lives. This crisis. This is crisis. I mean, it wasn't but 50 days ago they watched Jesus be crucified. It's still fresh on their minds. That's still raw. The blood. The way they just tore apart his body like he was just an animal. Couldn't even recognize him up on the cross. It's real. They stood right in the presence of the very men that just did that. Look them in the face of the eye and look them in the eye, look them in the face and say, you do what you got to do. We have to continue preaching Jesus. Their body might have been quivering. They might have been saying something that in their mind they were like, what are we saying? What are we doing right now? But in their spirits, they were so tenacious that we'll die the same death. We know what you're capable of carrying out, yet we're going to continue preaching Jesus. It's crisis because of the word. Because we, we did exactly what you told us to do, and they're challenging us. But isn't that what Jesus told them? If they hate you, just know they hated me long before they hated you. And they hate you because of me. Verse 23 says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and complained about what the leading priests and elders had said. No, that's not what it says. How you respond to crisis reveals what's in you. They were prepared. I'm going to show you how show you why in just a minute. They were prepared for this. It set you apart. Worship team, if you come, it'll set you apart. It'll make you distinct. It'll, it'll distinguish you from those that back down, from those that fear, from those that want to use verbiage like, well, we've got to use wisdom. I believe in wisdom. 
You just don't know what wisdom is. <laughs> Your wisdom is the natural wisdom of man. True wisdom is from God. And God's wisdom will always contradict man's wisdom. God's wisdom will make you look stupid. You'll be the smartest one in the room and the dumbest one at the same time. Yes, it will. Paul looked really stupid until Paul looked stupid saying there's a storm coming when it's blue skies, beautiful clouds. This is a great day for sailing. This is awesome. This is the perfect time to travel. No, there's something coming. He was the smartest one and the dumbest one at the same time. We just need believers that are willing to look dumb until they look smart. Hello? <laughs> no, they didn't complain to the leading priests and elders. They told them the report. But verse 24 says, when they heard the report, the believers lifted their voices together in prayer, not in complaint, not in frustration, not in agitation. Come on, are you going to respond like the Israelites in the wilderness? Why'd you bring us out here? Why'd you empower us with your spirit? Why'd you give us this assignment to advance the kingdom of God only for them to threaten us with our lives? No, they're not complaining. Like the Israelites that drank water out of a rock the day before now are, now are hungry and complaining about it. Walked across a Red Sea on dry ground and now they're actually challenging God saying, you brought us out here to kill us. Questioning the very nature of God. Now you see every miracle as a setup for your murder. That's what they said. You brought us through the Red Sea. You've kept us alive all this time only to murder us out here, to leave us. No. It says that they lifted up their voices together in prayer. Oh, sovereign God, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit, our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with feudal plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle, prepared for battle, prepared for battle. Is the devil more prepared for battle than you are? The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. They're going back to scripture, guys. They're going back to what the, what the words of King David were. You said this stuff was going to happen, that they were going to rise against us. Now this has happened in this very city. Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus. Conflict, confrontation, challenge, trial, tribulation, your holy servant, whom you anointed. That the very fact he was anointed was what they opposed. The very fact that he was your servant was what they came to challenge. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. And give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. How many times have you asked God for more of what just got you in trouble?
Come on. They didn't ask for less challenge. They asked for more courage. And you know how our prayer meetings go. Lord, get them off our backs. Lord, get the enemy to He didn't say that he, he didn't pray that he would take you out of this word. He said, I pray that you guard them from the evil one because he's coming. Guard their hearts. Protect their minds. Protect their lives. There's a mission, but there is challenge. There's mission, but there's opposition. No. Hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. More miracles. The miracle got them in trouble. More signs, more wonders. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word with boldness. They kept doing the same thing that brought the challenge. You want to be distinct? Ask for more of what got you in trouble. You want to be set apart? Ask God to fill you with boldness, not them with favor. They didn't ask for that. Lord, hear their threats and help them see that we're doing the right thing. No. They went back and said, we need to get filled back up. We need to refill. That Acts chapter 2, that's, that's, that's running a little dry right now. We need some oil in the lamp. And the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 happened again. Wasn't a one-time occurrence. It says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to give you three things real quick that you're going to need to endure crisis. Three things. Number one is a strong community. It says there in Acts chapter 4, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. One uh, version says they went to their companions. Another version says they went to their friends. Another version says that they went to their own company. You better have a strong company to go to when crisis shows up. You know, where a lot of people uh, uh, go wrong when crisis shows up is they go to the wrong company or they don't have the right company around them. They have people that will simply, let's, let, we need to go out and get these guys. What do you mean they threatened you with their life? But we're going to show them. Or maybe a company that said, well, man, you know what? Maybe we should dial this thing back, you know. Maybe it's just, just not a good time. Jesus is still pretty fresh. Let's let this die down. Let's use wisdom. Your company will make or break you in crisis. Numbers chapter 13 proves it. You go back to a company that's speaking negativity, believes out of fear, you're not going to see the promised land. Nope. 
They were talked out of the very thing God was trying to talk them into. Wrong company. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't, I don't, I don't have a good company. Well, number one, this is good company. That's why it's so good being here. Your faith is getting tested all week. You're getting challenged all week. You're battling all week. Get in some good company around some like-minded believers. You know what that means? The like, not every believer is like-minded. Get around some like-minded believers. Even Jesus had to put people out of a house to say, you can't believe you ain't coming in here. I need faith-filled people. And I tell you right now, no company is better than bad company because at least you got you and the Holy Spirit. If I got nobody agreeing with me, I got me and the Holy Spirit. That's two. And him and I will touch and agree on this earth and we'll see the word of God come to pass. You don't want to agree with me? You don't want to believe in me? You don't want to stand by me? No problem. I got Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. I got three of them and me. We got, we, that's company. But I know I've got good company. I know who I can call in a test. I know who I can lean on. I know who I can cry with. I know who I can rejoice with. I know who I can celebrate with. I know who I can pray with. I know who I can speak with, agree with. You better have some good company. Number two, you got to know the word. In crisis, you better know the word. They called up the word. God, through your servant David, you said, that this was going to happen. You said the nations would rise up. You said that this is all happening for your glory. They knew the what? Word of God. Not just the words of King David. The word of God. You got to know the word. Matthew chapter 13. We looked at it. Because they had no root of the word in them. When trial came, they were easily persuaded. Do you have the root of the word of God or do you just have the fruit of the word of God? Fruit meaning it's something I wrote down in a notebook. It's something I highlighted in my Bible, but have you written it, written it on the tablet of your heart? Is it here? Just a couple of weeks ago, gave uh, uh, an individual in our church a book of healing scriptures because they had a, a testament of, of, of sickness in their body. I went right out there. We've got plenty of resources and we've got many more coming. Just all it is is healing scriptures. It's not man's opinion. It's not man's. It's the scriptures from the word of God outlined. And I said, read. If your doctor told you to take a dose of medicine every day. Yes, sir, they did. Okay, you're going to take my dose of medicine every day. Spiritual food, spiritual medicine. Come on, you want to come through the crisis or not? I mean, I've, I've gone into hospital rooms with people that have gotten, you're going to die soon. And they got Seinfeld on TV. We laugh about it, but you're not empowering your spirit to overcome the crisis, to walk in the victory that you need. You're not rooted in the word of God. We're not going out watching Seinfeld. We're going to stand up getting the word of God in our spirit. I mean, back in the day, I had to listen to cassette tapes, and I had to wait two minutes for them to rewind to listen to it again. You got it on your phone. All you got to do is hit the next button. You don't even have to have a cassette recorder. You don't have to have a VHS player. Yeah, that's what I had to do. Y'all had to do it too. 
When my mom kept me home from school, I wasn't staying home watching cartoons. Price is right. Right? Price is right. The only reason you're watching Price is right is because you're sick. Sick people watch Price is right because the only reason you're at home at 10 a.m. in the morning watching Price is right. Otherwise, you'd be working. No, I had to watch Kenneth Hagin. I had to watch Robert Slater. I had to watch Kenneth Copeland. I had to watch Jesse Duplantis. I played the, the Jesse Duplantis had a volume set. Six of them, I think it was. Laughter is as good as a medicine. Six of them. Just hilarious story. And I'm sitting there throwing up, laughing. No appetite, laughing. Sick as a dog, laughing. Why? Because the Bible says laughter doeth good like a medicine. Come on, either you believe this Bible or not. I don't care if you don't or not. I don't care if I look crazy or not. That's the kind of stuff I got healed from. That's the stuff I got my victory from. Feeding my spirit. Know the word of God. They knew the word of God. This challenge tries to come. It can't take me out. And the last one. It's the reason why most people aren't enduring crisis. Because you need the Holy Spirit. Oh, you wanted 12 steps to overcoming crisis? You wanted a, a formula? You wanted a pattern? You wanted a plan? You wanted a mental health TED Talk? No. No. I'm not saying those things aren't real. I just got something that's more real. The Holy Spirit. You know, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Don't do anything. Go and tarry and wait for the promise of the Father. And when He comes, He will fill you. He will give you power. Look it up. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is in the promise. I promise you this. How many of you believe God keeps His promises? Yeah, if He promises something, He's going to keep it. Come on, I know we're going a little long, but you got to get this. Because I'm tired of seeing you lose in crisis. I'm tired of seeing you weak in crisis. I'm tired of seeing you quitting in crisis. We're enduring. We're persevering. We're going over. I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be seized with power. You will be my messengers to Jerusalem. Throughout Judea. The distant provinces. Even to the remotest places on earth. He told them before chapter 4. You need the Holy Spirit. Not just the Holy Spirit that comes when you're born again. That's where everyone wants to go. Instantly right off the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In instantly right off that I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus told these disciples who literally walked with him hand in hand on, the, on this planet together. You need the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything. He knew that if you try to heal somebody without the Holy Spirit, if you, don't, if, if, if you don't get taken out there, you'll get taken out by the crisis. That empowering of the Holy Spirit wasn't just to get the lame man up. It was to get them back out full of boldness to keep ministering the word that brought the trial in the first place. He says, don't, don't do anything. Till you receive the Holy Spirit. Till he comes upon you. Stand up with me.
time for the overcoming church to be revealed in overwhelming victory. Yeah, count the cost. Count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. Count the cost to stand up boldly in these days. But once you've count the cost, make the decision that I am not backing down. There's no crisis, there's no challenge, there's no conflict that I'm backing down to. I'm rising to the challenge. Say that with me. Say, I'm rising to the challenge. I'm rising to the challenge. Holy Spirit, empower me now. Come on. Holy Spirit, quicken me now. Grant me boldness. Grant me courage to stand in the face of every trial, of every tribulation. There is no attack of the enemy that can stop me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I will be victorious. Overwhelming victory is my promise. Overwhelming victory is my confidence. Overwhelming victory is my assurance. In Jesus' name. Now give Him glory. Come on, shout. Because you are victorious. Shout. Because you are an overcomer. Shout. Because you are the head and not the tail. Shout. Because crisis cannot stop you. Shout. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.